0: to goal line extended on the
1: lacrosse flash podcast network what's going on everyone welcome to goal line extended on the lacrosse flash podcast network today is Friday June 4th and I'm your host Ryan holpa glad that you could join us as we get set to look ahead to week one of the Pll season set to start tonight at 7 p.m Eastern between the redwoods and the expansion cannons led by Lyle Thompson which will be the first look that we'll get to see of the cannons of Lyle Thompson in the PLO, and it will be all live on Peacock and across the NBC platforms. We'll get more into the uh, specifics there later in this show, and then the action will continue into this weekend with the Whip Snakes and the Chaos on Saturday at five. The Archers and Atlas to follow that one at one at uh, that game as well, and then the Water Dogs and Cannons at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday with Chrome and the Redwoods, uh, Redwoods finishing out the weekend. But before we get to that, we will continue and complete our Flash Team previews ahead of tonight's season. Opener And the last team that we will cover is the Chaos Lacrosse Club, led by ha- uh, head coach Andy Towers, who's had to deal with a handful of guys being placed on the league's unavailable to travel list, five in total up to this point. But Coach Towers able to make a couple additions throughout this offseason, some big trades right before the April 30 deadline, and he'll have uh, his eyes again set on the PLL Championship coming up, just short there in 2020. And joining me to talk about the chaos heading into this weekend and the season is Flash reporter Mackie Jenner. Mackie, welcome to Goal Line Extended. How are you doing today?
2: I am good, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Super excited to talk some lacrosse.
1: Hey, absolutely. Very excited about the, uh, the start of the 2021 season. Glad to have you with us as well. And it's looking like it should be the biggest summer of pro lacrosse ever. And we're, we're all looking forward to seeing what Coach Towers does here with this Chaos team in 2021. He brings in Chase Fraser, Max Adler, Challen Rogers, Kyle Jackson early in this offseason through both the player pool and the entry draft. Six other additions made as well in the college draft, although we won't see two of them to start the season in Tanner Cook and Ryan Smith due to tra- Travel restrictions, And then, and then uh, Jared Bernhardt, he'll be pursuing football in the fall, so he'll also be unavailable this summer as well. So making some big-time additions, but unfortunately uh, a few of them won't be available to Towers, as we know, here in training camp and to start the season. Curtis Dixon, Miles Thompson, and Chow and Rogers all unfortunately hitting that unavailable-to-travel list along with those freshmen. Uh, so just really overall just an unfortunate uh, turn of events here for the chaos being that uh, dealing with a few of these uh, these unfortunate travel restrictions.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think two of the biggest losses there would be uh, Rogers and Dixon, you know, uh, Curtis and Josh Byrne last year totaled for 38 of their the chaos goals last year. So it'll definitely be a huge loss on the attacking side. And then with Challen, you know, he's such a great two way midfielder. He's strong, he can shoot. um, So it'll definitely be a big loss for them. But I know that towers has definitely made some adjustments, as you said, to make sure that they are ready for this summer.
1: Absolutely making some trades uh, throughout this offseason, especially close to this deadline. We will be following uh, that unavailable to travel list throughout the season, and then we'll let you know of any details that we hear in regards to anyone coming off that list, anyone going on it, which we hope doesn't happen but in this year of uncertainty anything can happen so we will follow that and we will notify everyone watching and listening when we find out any new news about that but along with those other ads those two key trades that we mentioned that Coach Towers made at the trade deadline he brings in Westberg from the Waterdogs he also brings in Chris Cloutier in a trade with the Atlas trying to make up for the losses there of Dixon Thompson and Ryan Smith on this chaos attack and then Towers also drafted Penn State attackman Mac O'Keefe in the first round of April's college draft so we should see some combination of Josh Byrne, MVP candidate there in in, uh, in Utah in 2020, all these stats. He scored five goals last summer in his first season with the chaos and then these three additions along with Chase Frazier on this chaos attack. We could also see some guys running out of the box as a midfielder, notably Stotts, Cloutier, or O'Keefe. We saw Stotts do that last season with the chaos, but how do you expect this chaos starting attack to look here in week one?
2: Uh, you know, I think it's interesting because, like you said, uh, Josh Byrne and uh, Austin Stats will be the only two returning attackers this year. Um, so Towers did set up to create a dominant offense this season. Um, like you said, I think Cloutier and Berg will definitely be two key players, as they were key players in their offenses last season. Um, you know, I think that the size of Cloutier and Berg's IQ um, can kind of help that Bosk box-esque of the chaos attack, Um, you know, and having Kyle Jackson and Mac O'Keefe there, I think that that will definitely add some speed um, to their offense as well. I mean, they're all electric Dodgers and will definitely help uh, elevate the athleticism of this team's attack.
1: Absolutely, Josh Byrne, the headliner here of this group. You also uh, see Mac O'Keefe here on on this team roster, comes in with a ton of talent as well, a rookie out of Penn State who's fresh off setting the NCAA Division I goal-scoring record, all-time goal scoring record and we're expecting a lot of goals here out of O'Keefe this season going forward as well especially two point goals he's shown off his range over his college career expecting him to fit in well there as we say with that box and Canadian style play that the chaos operate in offensively and then this midfield as well they also play in that box style we saw that last year in the elimination tournament especially the Canadian and American midfield lines deployed by coach towers with Dane Smith Austin Stotts and Kevin Buchanan, who retired after last summer. Kind of that power-punch Canadian line, although Stotts is of Native American descent. Buchanan is an American. Just that style of play, though, able to create a ton of two-man opportunities, drawing doubles. Even triple teams that created scoring opportunities for someone else there on that offense. And then Sergio Saucedo, Jake Forcaro, Eric Scott on that speedy American line. We might see something like that again this season but just able to throw some different looks here at opposing defenses. Obviously, it paid off for the chaos last summer there in that elimination tournament. They were able to turn a winless group play into a championship run. So now after a year of being able to just kind of sit on that championship series run, being able to plan for the season with that uh, success in mind, you also bring in Ian McKay and Kyle Jackson. How do you expect this offensive midfield to look in complementing this chaos attack?
2: Yeah, I think that uh, Ian McKay from the Archers was a huge trade for them. Um, you know, he actually has a few familiar faces in Smith, Cloutier, and Burns. So I think that the, the chemistry will be immediately there for him. Um, I think we saw a couple clips um, on media about uh, Ian possibly playing a little bit of LSM this season. Oh, yeah. So that could also be um, an interesting point uh, to kind of elevate their game as well. Um, so, you know, I think that they will definitely – bring a, bit, a big impact to the the chaos midfield this year.
1: You think about Ian McKay when, when that trade happened uh, that those were kind of the, some of the things that were being said, Oh, he could play LSM. Andy towers told me when I had him on back in April, Oh yeah, he could pick up a pole and play LSM. He's actually listed as an LSM there on the chaos roster on the PLL website. So we could see him, just as an LSM here this uh, this season in 2021 with Matt Reese and Troy Ray there on that, uh, that LSM depth chart. So who knows, but definitely Ian McKay, a great addition there uh, to this chaos team, whether it's offensively or defensively in transition, you name it, definitely McKay coming in as a big addition. But a slow start there offensively in the group play for the chaos in 2020, only averaging eight goals a game over the first four games. But Coach Towers and Co. able to turn things around there, as we're saying, in that elimination tournament and they'll hope that these off-season additions to replace lost talent uh, or add new talent uh, on offense. We're hoping that that, uh, that pays off. And then that short stick defensive midfield should not look much different than it did in 2020. In Utah, Mark Lassini and Pat Resch have held it down over the past two seasons. And Resch also able to pick up a long pull as well. Flexibility there, you know, bringing in Ian McKay into this conversation as well. Flexibility with that 19-man roster cap going as something that cannot be understated heading into this season. So you're seeing the chaos also uh, taking advantage there, trying to take advantage of... Uh, Certain guys' flexibility—they can play multiple positions—and then this defense will also be returning most of the names from last year, as well as two guys that were unavailable last summer, as Matt Reese and Johnny Serdik both back at camp and ready for the season after missing the 2020 bubble due to military obligations. Then Kyle Thornton, one of the biggest steals of this past college draft, taken towards the end of the third round. He'll be joining this group, which also consists of 2019 defensive player of the year, Jared Newman, 2020 defensive uh, defensive player of the year finalist, Jack Rowlett, as well as Dan Coates and LSM Troy, Ray. We're expecting Newman and Rowlett to lead this defense as they have the past two seasons with uh, with Ray, excuse me, running in and out of the box at LSM. But that third defensive spot down low, that was the question mark here coming into camp, whether it would be Serdic to reassume that role or maybe Thornton to step in as a rookie, a guy that has a ton of experience playing against top level talent, whether it's the Ivy League or this past season in the ACC. How do you see this position group shaking out? And Mackie, if you were to pick that third pole down low, who would it be out of this chaos group?
2: yeah as you said, you know you have those two guys in Rella and Newman who have kind of held down the fort down there on the on the defensive end and you know quite frankly, I think that uh, Thornton could add a really good level of uh, a new version of Lacrosse, a more athletic more quick version of Lacrosse that could be added to their defensive element down there and I really do think that he could have um, a really big impact on that uh, defensive end. so you know I think that he would be he would be my pick to, to fill in that third spot.
1: Johnny Surdick, uh, as we're saying, Kyle Thornton, kind of the two names there that we're considering there to p- kind of fill in that chaos. Defense, obviously, as well, as you said before, Ian McKay, on uh, LSM that we could see rotated in there down low if depth becomes an issue. Uh, but stuff that we will watch, the chaos defense despite – getting to the championship game last season, hoping for a little bit of a turnaround of sorts this summer after leading the league in goals against in 2020. Granted, they did play one more game than everyone else and two more than three of the teams, but even taking that, that into account, they were middle of the pack in average goals against per game. They finished at the bottom in killing man-up opportunities and goalie Blaze Reardon led the world in saves 36 more than any other player or team finishing with 119, which is obviously awesome. Uh, You have the best goalie and arguably one of the best players in the game, but you allow all these shots, especially if they're open or step-down shots, a few of them will find their way into the back of the net. So the chaos hoping to field an improved defense here in 2021. And then I mentioned it there, in goal, uh, Blaze Reardon, the reigning two-time PLL Goalie of the Year, back in between the pipes, and MVP finalist last summer. And I think if the chaos uh, hold on there at the end of that, fourth quarter in the championship game, especially if it stayed low scoring. That award probably finds its way into Reardon's hands. But following the deadline trade of Dylan Ward to the Water Dogs, it looks like Austin Cott will join Blaze on this chaos roster and goal. So, Mackie, we know the chaos goalie situation for this summer. So I'll ask you this with some of the questions that have been kind of swirling around uh, social media during this big week of training camp. Do you think Blaze is the best goalie in the game? And even further than that, the best player? We heard that a question there uh, during this week. And then uh, do you think he wins his third straight goalie of the year here in 2021?
2: Yeah, you know, I think that Blaze is an absolute stud in that. I really do think that he is uh, one of the best goalies in the PLL, if not the best. Um, so I definitely do think that he could make a run for that third straight goalie of the year. He's just so dynamic. He's so big and strong in the net, and he's he controls the defense. You know, he keeps them calm. He's he's a great leader out there, and he really does hold that back end strongly. So I do think that he could definitely make the run for the third time um, straight. You know, the best player, player in the league, I'm not too sure, because as we know now with the expansion, there are just so many uh, talented players, but he is definitely up there.
1: Some talented players here in this game uh, coming in through the entry draft, the the college draft, obviously with the leagues merging. Uh, and then we we bring up obviously too. You brought up there just the communication of of just a leader in Blaze Reardon. Uh, some some things that we're hearing as well. Kyle Thorne, you mentioned his name as well, being a defenseman that you like there, filling out this chaos defense. Uh, a lot of talk that he's a great communicator as well. So we might have two great communicators here on this chaos defense with the guys that they already have set in place. So we'll see how that. Uh, unfolds, But a fantastic goalie tandem that we saw last summer that we never even got to see put into action as Dylan Ward uh, never stepped in between the pipes there during a game in Utah for the Chaos Ward. Now a member of the Water Dogs. So we'll see if Reardon can continue to hold down the goalie position there for Coach Towers and company heading into year two three of the PLL, but then some changes at the face-off position towers left Tommy Kelly unprotected in expansion. And then he was drafted by the cannon. So with Austin Henningson, the only face-off man on the roster towers, then forced to make some additions and some great ads that he made. He gets Max Adler at the end of the entry draft, arguably the best face-off man that wasn't yet in the PLL out of the pro ranks. And then Kyle Gallagher, he transferred from Penn to Notre Dame in order to play this past spring, like uh, his teammate, um, Kyle Thorin. He also on this roster uh, after being drafted by the Chaos. So Towers bringing in face off talent to compete, and rightly so, since we haven't seen much from Austin Henderson in the PLL. He only played in one game there in 2021, uh, just one out of the two faceoffs that he took. So some question marks there, but it seems like Adler should step in here and lead this group, regardless of who else Towers, or, uh, Towers excuse me, keeps on as that second guy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the faceoff circle is definitely the weakest part of the Chaos's game last season, and and Coach Towers knew that they did have to make some adjustments. Um, and in picking up Max Adler, he he was um, the leading he had the leading faceoff percentage in the twenty twenty MLL bubble, and so I think that he can definitely dominate for the Chaos this season. And like you said, uh, Kyle Gallagher out of uh, Notre Dame had a six point or 0.618 winning percentage in the 2021 NCAA season. So, you know, coming off of a strong season for the Irish, I think he'll be ready to jump in uh, right away for the chaos.
1: Absolutely. Just shy of 62%. He played alongside Charlie Leonard, who was with the Redwoods. So obviously great competition, not not just uh, in games being that they played in that tough ACC schedule, obviously some out of conference games, but that tough ACC schedule, there were a ton of great face-off men there uh, in the ACC, whether it's Jack Nasso, Petey Lasala, uh, Alex Tucci, you, you go on and on uh, and name all the names. Zach Tucci there, excuse me, I said Alex Tucci. Zach Tucci there with UNC. Go on and on with the names, but obviously bringing Gallagher, he had great competition just every single day, being that he was going up against Charlie Leonard. So the chaos... Uh, did struggle there in the face-off department in Utah in 2020. Towers, though, hoping to turn that around this season with that addition of Adler. And then we could see uh, some Kyle Gallagher there as well. But whether Towers carries both every week to games, I'm not sure if he does that or not. And then it will be interesting to see which teams do decide to go with two on a regular basis. So something that we will watch as the season goes on. But the Cavs open their season uh, late tomorrow afternoon in a tough draw to kick off. Uh, their 2021 season with the two time defending champion Whip Snakes, who haven't lost a game in 646 days, August 25th, 2019, marking the last loss. For the Whip Snakes, but definitely a game that we are looking forward to, arguably the game of the weekend, being that it is a rematch of the 2020 championship game. So definitely buckle up, strap in for that one, as it should be an exciting one. But the chaos coming into 2021, they're underdogs in this game against the Whip Snakes. eight to one odds to win the championship in September. How confident do you feel in this team heading into this weekend fresh off camp and then throughout this season possibly poised for a uh, title run here?
2: You know, I think that there's a lot of chemistry built into this Chaos team. I think Towers does a really good job of bringing his guys together and getting them all on the same page. So, you know, even if they don't start out the way that they may have wanted, I really do think that Towers has the ability to make his team want to come together and, and play to win. Um, I think there's a lot of strengths on both sides of the ball, and with these new additions, I do think that they could definitely have a championship run again.
1: He is he is just so well, – it's like just in terms of uh, – Getting you ready for a game, I just can't imagine uh, just the energy that he brings. I interviewed him. He was walking his dog. And just the energy that he brought in that interview, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Coach Towers uh, and this team looking forward to a big season uh, this season, especially uh, for this team, as I was saying. Coming in, missing a few pieces, a couple guys placed on that unavailable to travel list. But knowing Coach Towers having the chance, like I said, to speak with him before, I can't imagine that he's thinking about that at all heading into this weekend. And I would expect pretty rowdy group here uh, heading into week one. Uh, with the chaos. Maggie, I appreciate you joining me to talk some PLL ahead of tonight and this weekend, some chaos lacrosse to round out our flash previews ahead of a phenomenal weekend and hopefully a phenomenal summer. Mackie, before I let you go, we saw an absolutely unbelievable season uh, from Boston College's Charlotte North this spring. 102 goals to cap off a national championship season for the Eagles hands down the best player in all of college across this season and it looks like she will be continuing her career whether it's with BC or she decides to go with that new AU uh, sports league which on Tuesday announced broadcast partnerships with the, uh, with CBS Sports as well as Fox Sports ahead of their planned inaugural season so huge news for the sport especially for the women's game how excited are uh, how excited are you for this new league and then expecting you know what we should see from from stars like North here uh, going forward into the future what, what, what are you expecting here?
2: Yeah, you know, I think that the the female game has been struggling a little while to get started. So I think that seeing that they have partnerships now with CBS Sportsnet and also uh, Fox Sports is, is huge. You know, um, as a college female athlete myself, nothing more – I wanted them to see a pro women's league. And I think that this is really the time now to do it. Um, you know, I think that there are so many female athletes out there that are pushing to see more professional female sports. And I think that this is finally the the opportunity for uh, the female girls game. And, you know, Charlotte North is just unbelievable. She's really changing the game. And I think that, you know, she went from 15,000 followers on Instagram to 20 overnight after winning the championship. And so you can just see that she's really changing the game and, and changing the way that people look at, female lacrosse in general so i'm really excited to see how this works out and no matter where charlotte will end up a bunch of fans will end up so we're excited about that as well
1: absolutely charlotte had a phenomenal season this year as well as her uh bc eagles team winning the national championship there uh on sunday afternoon so a great season for them uh and we're very excited to see what charlotte north if she what she can do uh whether it's next season in college lacrosse or if she decides uh to turn pro and then a lot uh a lot of excitement there surrounding the AU Sports League there uh, with pro women's lacrosse uh, this season. Obviously, CBS Sports Network, I remember watching the Big East Championship uh, tournament this year, and th- that was some of the best Uh, in terms of camera angles. That was some of the best uh, lacrosse that I watched this spring. So definitely excited uh, for that. Mackie, I want to thank you so much for joining me today as we are now officially finished with our Flash team previews ahead of this season, which begins tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern on Peacock with the Redwoods and Expansion Cannon squaring off in game one of the 2021 season. Make sure to check out Mackie's Chaos Season Preview on the Lacrosse Flash website, lacrosseflash.com. And it is also Mackie's birthday today. So Mackie, I want to wish you a very happy, happy birthday enjoy <laughs> watching this lacrosse game because we, we got a great weekend, great game tonight, great season ahead of us.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Ryan.
1: Maggie, thank you again for joining us. Goal Line Extended will continue as we look ahead to this weekend's slate of games. Do not go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome back to Goal Line Extended on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast. Now we're glad that you're joining us as we continue to prepare for the 2021 PLL season. And we also continue uh, our Flash team previews ahead of this season. And joining us today as we also had uh, Mackie on before to talk about the chaos. To continue talking about the chaos today, we have chaos attackman Josh Byrne joining us today. Josh, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing?
0: I'm good, man. Thanks for having us.
1: Hey, training camp wrapped up now, preparing here for week one, looking ahead to Saturday's game. Uh, what's the emphasis right now uh, on this game ahead on Saturday? You're going up against this Snakes team who you lost to last season in that championship game. What's the mindset going into this one?
0: You know what? It's just uh, it's one shift at a time, really trying to move the ball as much as possible, um, trusting each other and, and trying to have a little bit of fun while playing.
1: Absolutely. Hey, it looks like the chemistry in the room here has changed. You have, you obviously add uh, a few extra Canadians. You were able to get uh, two close friends of yours and Ian McKay and Chris Cloutier on this roster. Wes Berg also comes over in a trade. What has it been like to have those two guys in the locker room and, and getting accustomed to this chaos team? It's been easy, man. Um, I think
0: both of those guys from the Buffalo gang and um, both Chris and Ian I live with right now. So um, that's super easy, and Wes and I have played on multiple teams before. So, and grew up playing against each other. So, um, it's it's really an it's really an awesome thing for us to all come together and start playing. So it's great.
1: This chaos attack. I mean, we've been saying it really uh, with every team, but this chaos attack looks absolutely loaded. We have yourself, we have a guy in Aldi Stotts uh, who can run out of the midfield as well. Chris Cloutier, Berg, all obviously coming in. Chase Frazier is a guy, obviously from uh, Buffalo as well. He comes into this team, and then a rookie and Mac O'Keefe. What has Mac showed you here over this week of camp? Uh, obviously, you know NCAA all-time leading goal scorer. Uh, what has he showed you here in this first week?
0: Uh, Mac is a unreal shooter um like I, I i don't think people really understand how hard this kid really shoots the ball because um obviously you saw all the highlights in college and whatnot but when you start to see the kind of zip that he can bring um in such a, a such a little wind up and just really snapping his hips through um it, it's, it's really impressive but what i'm most impressed with him is um how eager he is to learn the game and, and, and to really um, figure out the pro level stuff and um, even just to kind of fit into that Canadian kind of box style game that we play. Um, he, he's been doing a great job and obviously he's got some box background with playing up east in, in Ontario a little bit. So he's, he's fit right in and, and he's been awesome to be around.
1: Obviously bringing in a handful of names here. You bring in those four attackmen uh, with Miles Thompson and Curtis Dixon uh, being unavailable, at least to start this summer. Losing a guy in Curtis Dixon, though, he played a really big role uh, on this chaos offense last summer. What is, you know, the plan to replace a guy like him? Not too easy to replace a guy like Curtis Dixon, but what's the plan uh, in trying to mitigate his loss?
0: Yeah, obviously um, a guy like Dixon, it's pretty much impossible to replace. Um the way, how athletic he is, um, just the pure goal scorer that he is, it's it's extremely tough to kind of replicate that. But um, I think we have a, a lot of different pieces that are going to um, be able to fit in and, and, and play maybe not the exact game of his, but definitely complement our offense um, in a different way. Um, and we have a couple different guys that are going to be able to kind of slide in and fit that spot. Um, and I, I won't give too much away, but uh, – yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited, man. The, the ball is really flying around in, at training camp right now. So um, it's, it's going to be fun.
1: That is one thing we heard there in the transition from the group play last summer into the playoffs. The ball was just flying around a lot faster, obviously getting different personnel there uh, in that situation there last summer. You're bringing in new personnel here, but obviously guys like Dane Smith, uh playing huge roles here on this offense, making sure the ball uh, moves around well. Uh, I mentioned it before, you bring in Ian McKay, uh, a guy that we've been pretty accustomed to playing at the midfield position. Obviously, as an offensive midfielder, can play some defensive midfield as well. But we're hearing that he's going to pretty much be playing solely with a long pole this summer. What is – how is he adjusting there to that? And uh, what's, you know, the hope there with him at that position? Yeah, you know,
0: he's – he naturally plays uh, defense or transition in, in box across, and I think naturally he's just more of a defensive-minded um, guy that has kind of the flair for, for offense. Um, so he's really fit in extremely well with the pull on his hands. Um, he's obviously came in, uh, came to camp in, in really good shape as well, so that helps him a lot, Um and, and he's, really, he's really trying to fly around the field and, and, ca- and cause some havoc. And that's what we like to do with, with the, this chaos team. So um, I, I think he looks awesome. Um, and I think he's really out to kind of prove some people wrong.
1: That versatility kind of being something that we've seen every PLO coach kind of put on a pedestal uh, going into this offseason and throughout this offseason, whether it's face-off guys that can kind of play uh, in more of a field role, whether face-off guys can play defensive midfield or some defensive midfielders can serve as a backup face-off specialist. We've seen a few of those instances here as the offseason has progressed. And then your face-off position, too, going to look much different uh, this summer with Max Adler and Kyle Gallagher, the rookie. Uh, How have they been adjusting here to kind of the new PLL rules, obviously, with the face-off. And what's the hope with them here at the Stripe, hoping to uh, improve there in that department from last summer?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, both those guys have came into camp um, just with with a really good work ethic um, and and are just fighting and battling every day um, to try and get better. And um, and that's all we can really ask for. Um, I'm, I'm super excited to see those guys compete and uh, and especially for Max um, coming over from the MLL, and uh, and being able to prove that he's one of the best, because man, this this guy's hands are they're fast, they're they're, they're very fast. So um, I'm excited for him to be able to showcase that. And uh, and Gallagher being a rookie coming in, um, trying to learn as much as he can from from Max and also pushing him too. So um, I, I, I like uh, I like what we have on the faceoff end of things.
1: How about to your defensive end here? Matt Reese, Johnny Sturdick, both of these guys weren't available with you guys last summer as they had other military obligations. They joined the team this summer on the defensive end. How have they been adjusting here uh, with, with what you guys have going on with this chaos team now?
0: Yeah. I mean, both of those guys um, are are awesome dudes um, just in a locker room sense. And then on top of that, when you put them onto the field, they're both just so big and so long. Um, it definitely adds a, a big part to our defense. Um, and, and especially Johnny being able to play down low, um, and, and really, and really just knowing what kind of player he was when he was in college and how he hasn't really had the chance to kind of showcase that yet at the pro level. Um, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited to see what, see what he can do. And he's looked extremely good. He looks like he's in really good shape as well. So, um, am yeah, I'm fired up, man.
1: We're very excited to see what those two guys, Johnny Sertik, Matt Reese, can bring to this chaos team. And then I have to ask you this. He won't be with you guys this summer. Uh, we're hoping that he will be with you guys next summer. But Jared Bernhardt, your team's third-round uh, college draft selection, bringing this guy in hopefully sometime in the future uh, has to be really exciting uh, for you in this offense.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great pick for uh, for Coach Towers there. Yeah. Um, just even the thought of, of that guy being able to join our offense in, in some way, shape, or form is—it's uh, a huge win for us. Um, what he did at the college level um, is—is just—it's uh, it's unreal to kind of think about. Um, I've, I've been hearing things saying that he's one of the best ever player for for Maryland. So um, to be able to add that to our roster and to our offense, um, it just makes us even more dangerous.
1: Absolutely. Hey, your signature goal as a pro up to this point was that between the legs finish from last season, uh, whatever Coach Towers said, the AD pad, you know, (laughs) triangle, uh, they're calling it the air burn. How many times did you try that move in the past, like in practice? And did you ever think that you would even try to break that out in a game situation?
0: Uh, Not necessarily. It's something that like you kind of do off of like just messing around (laughs) with your boys in the backyard and um, every once in a while, you kind of just like catch a pass or, or in kind of like an awkward position and, and you just throw it just to kind of see how it works out. And um, I don't know, I guess my body must have just taken over and ended up working out. So it's pretty cool.
1: Hey, week one this this weekend uh, on Saturday, you guys open the season against the Whip Snakes, 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern in Gillette Stadium on NBCSN and Peacock. How excited are you for this season?
0: Can't wait, man. I think we have a lot to prove, especially from last year. Um, I, personally, um, I, I brought a sour taste in my mouth, and I know um, everybody on this team has been working extremely hard to, uh, to come back and make a statement. So um, I'm ready, and I, I know the boys are ready, um, and, and it's going to be a really good season.
1: Absolutely. Hey, very excited here for what you guys have to show uh, in week one. Obviously, very disappointing way to end your season last year. So we're looking forward to see how you guys can overcome uh, that tough loss there in the championship. Uh, Josh, I want to thank you so much for joining me uh, on GLE for today. Uh, before I let you go, I want to segue to that the Black Lacrosse Alliance and the I Belong Here campaign that you and Dan Smith had started uh, with Signature. Uh, the PLO took some steps last year, but what additional steps uh, do you guys need to take uh, just, you know, to try to grow this uh, going forward in the future?
0: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're trying to really attack things at a ground roots level um, and, and just really trying to make sure that um, there's, there's more um, there's more kids around the world that's picking up a stick um, and, and, just, and just black players in general getting a, an opportunity to be great. Um, and, and so that's something that we've really tried to focus on. And um, I, I think that Black Lacrosse the Alliance is doing a really good job with, with different camps and whatnot, trying to showcase these kids and, um, and, and really trying to help navigate them through the college ranks and everything. So um, it, it's a bright future for, for the BLA.
1: Being able to represent the BLA, what has that been like for you? You know, just to be, you know, as, as a kid, you never would have thought that you would have been a pro player, let alone kind of the face of a movement like this in a sport that, you know, doesn't have many, you know, black athletes. Obviously, it's a sport that's starting to get more black athletes. That's why you guys are doing this great thing with the BLA. But what is it like, you know, being one of those faces of this movement and the guy that young athletes uh, look up to? It's pretty surreal, man. Um, and I, I talk with my mom about this
0: a lot. And- um, I'm, I feel very fortunate to be able to be someone of color and that, that can actually really showcase um, what, what we can do um, on and off the field. Um, um, I'm, I'm super fortunate and um, I, I couldn't I can have done it without uh, the BLA and without Dane and everybody. Um, so we're, we're doing our best to, to really grow the sport.
1: Absolutely. We're really excited to see what you guys can do there uh, in growing the sport. Uh, You know, the PLO just starting, you know, looking at it from a a big – uh, picture. BLL obviously going to start to grow. College across, we're expecting that to start to grow. High school across, and just in terms of people having sticks in their hands, kids getting sticks in their hands, we're expecting all that to start to grow, obviously with great uh, movements like the BLA and great uh, foundations like the BLA. Uh, Josh, I want to thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, kind of short term notice. Appreciate you jumping in uh, and doing this quick interview. Best of luck this season. Best of luck this weekend. And uh, go chaos, man. Hey,
0: thanks for having me, man.
1: Absolutely. We will be uh, continuing goal line extended ahead of week one. Noah lands and Austin Owens will be joining me next. Do not go anywhere. Welcome back to Goal Line Extended on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast. Now we're happy to have you all with us as we get set to take a look at week one in the PLL. Coming to us from Boston, Massachusetts, Gillette Stadium, home of the New England Patriots. And obviously a big weekend ahead. I'm pleased to welcome in Austin Owens and Noah Lands to today's show. Gentlemen, we finally made it. Week one is finally here. A long time coming since the championship series last summer in Utah. How are we feeling today?
3: Feels like it's been forever, truly. Like we were talking about it before the show, even though we just had a national championship almost go to overtime like five days ago, I am just so starved for professional lacrosse content and, and things that come along with it. So I'm ready. Absolutely, absolutely.
4: No, I'm I'm feeling like a million bucks. I mean, Friday night lacrosse, what's better? Gillette Stadium, all the champions. Hey,
1: Friday night lacrosse, cannot beat that. But as you said, Noah, the college lacrosse season just came to a close last weekend in an incredible and dramatic fashion. You could say an incredibly dramatic fashion. And it leads us right into this weekend, fresh off a week of training camp, and especially tonight with the Redwoods opening the season against the Cannons. But we're going to start here with the National Lacrosse League because after a five-year pause, the eight 2021 Hall of Fame inductees were announced yesterday afternoon as referees Bill Fox and Roy Condon uh, joined Colin Doyle, Kevin Finneran, Pat McGready, John Grant Jr., Casey Powell, Reggie Thorpe, Sean Williams, and Steve Toll in the NLL's 2021 Hall of Fame class. Arguably the best class we've seen join the NLL Hall of Fame. Austin, in the words of Pat Gregoire, a monumental moment for the NLL bringing back the Hall of Fame, which is hopefully here to stay.
4: Yeah, it's, it's a huge thing, and uh, it's it's good to see the NLL Hall of Fame back. I mean, if there wasn't this five-year hiatus, I think these guys would have been in a long time ago. This wouldn't have been a conversation to uh, be today. But, you know, there's no sense in looking at the past. It's back now. So you're right. This is one of the most stacked classes I have ever seen. This is definitely the most stacked class, honestly, that you could think of. You have a guy like Colin Doyle. I'm, I'm bearing the lead here because Colin Doyle is a Toronto guy, and I know him very well. Colin Doyle is an all-time great. Um, John Grant Jr. is arguably the greatest forward of all time when it comes to the NLL. Sean Williams, an incredible guy. If you don't know Sean Williams, uh, Dyson Williams, that guy that plays for Duke, yeah, that's, that's his <laughs> son. He's very good. Um, you know, any guys like Finneran, Ke- unbelievable. Reggie Thorpe is a guy that, you know, he's very interesting because he's one of those guys you don't really see a lot of guys stick around with teams for their entire careers. Reggie Thorpe is a guy that stuck with the Rochester Nighthawks for every single year of his career. And that, that's sort of interesting to me because there's that sort of triangle. I don't know, maybe not a triangle, but sort of Buffalo, Rochester, and Toronto back in the day where guys would sort of bounce around between those three teams. Um, and then they would usually end with who whichever team they spent the most time with generally. Um, so it was really interesting to see uh, Reggie Thorpe stay. Pat McCready, I think he's one of the guys that was probably one of the most underrated defenders on this list. I can't really speak to the referees, unfortunately, because... There's no real statistics to keep up with refereeing, but I know Bill Fox was sort of a, a guy that was around when I started watching lacrosse, and he was a big guy that uh, refed a lot of games out east, and these guys both certainly deserve it. I believe Pat said something around 50 years combined, a little bit under 50 years for both of them, combined refereeing, professional lacrosse, and that can't be taken for granted. So you know, congratulations to the whole class. I've forgotten the name, so I I've, I've very much apologize. Steve Toll is the name I've forgotten, and I, I'm not sure if I've forgotten another, so apologies if I have, but this entire class, top to bottom it's studs unbelievable players half of them played for the Toronto Rock I didn't get to see some of them Colin Doyle the one I really know very well so I'm very happy for him and I'm very happy to see you know the likes of Willie the likes of John Grant Jr all-time greats Casey Powell is the name I forgot and that's a bad one to forget all of these guys are all-time greats and you know what they they deserve it they should have been in a long time ago and like I said the past is the past so I'm just happy to see everybody back and, you know, getting the honor they so rightfully deserve with this league.
1: Absolutely. This 2021 class looking like the strongest class uh, thus far to join the Hall of Fame headline by the likes of Junior Doyle and Powell And the league plans to honor the class through a ceremony sometime this fall with the NLL season set to start on December 3rd, almost six months to the day of today. And we're very excited for the NLL to be returning this winter after being forced to postpone and then cancel the 2021 season. But the PLL season is obviously here first. It all starts tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern with the Redwoods. And the Cannons, who are fresh off their first offseason in the PLL following the PLL and MLL merger this past winter. And let's start there because training camp just wrapped up yesterday ahead of today's season opener with 25-man rosters being released late Tuesday evening. Some teams having more than that 25-man max with select players uh, noted as unavailable to travel, but not every team did that made it a little bit confusing there, but that's why we're here to talk about it. Uh but in terms of the roster announcements, Noah, what shocked you the most in terms of guys that were held on rosters or guys that ended up getting cut?
3: Yeah, I mean honestly I was a little kind of unsurprised by quite a bit of it, which I didn't expect. Um there were a couple guys that did surprise me. Number one being Dan Ipe. Uh I don't believe he cracked the Water Dog's roster. And you know, this is a team that I think is going to be pushing transition quite a bit in a league that is pushing transition everywhere. Um, so you would think it'd be helpful to have like one of the fastest guys in the league. I think two years ago, he won the race at the all star game, so you know, he's kind of the perennial two way midi that we've been watching for the last couple of years. So it's a little surprised there to see him not make it. I'm sure he'll probably pop to a different team at some point in the season barring injuries or, or anything like that um, and another one that kind of caught me by surprise was clark peterson over on the cannons um i don't know if it's a travel issue or not um but i would have expected to flip-flop him and john upgren i know john Upgren kind of got that nod um i don't know a whole lot about him i'm sure he's fantastic but you've seen clark play with the likes of some of these other guys in the league and he's fit in really well uh, with both the redwoods and the water dogs and so you would think it kind of be a Ryan Drenner situation where you've got a guy that, you know, can adapt pretty easily. Uh, but, you know, it may just not have worked out and, and that's perfectly fine. Um, one other thing that kind of caught my attention, it wasn't necessarily a player, but is was the fact that a lot of these teams are going very attack heavy, which we do, but the position of LSM is slim to none. I mean, you're looking at teams that have one, two LSMs. I don't even think, uh, who was with Boston didn't even bring a, Chartered LSM player on their 25 man roster. So um, that was something I was a little surprised to see. Uh, I guess they're going to ask some of those uh, short stick D meds to pick up some slack and some of those close D guys that haven't maybe, you know, sprinted down the field as much as they probably should have in the past uh, and ask them to kind of stretch the field.
1: In terms of the War Dogs, absolutely, that you're saying uh, losing a guy like Dan Epp, not keeping him, a very valuable piece there in transition. But you look at this War Dogs team, they're built uh, on two-way talent. So uh – a surprise there, they leave Epp off, but obviously they have all that other talent there. I agree with you, though, there with Clark Peterson, though. I did not think he would get cut by the Cans. I figured he would play uh, a nice role there as a finisher, obviously with Lyle Thompson there on that Cans uh, attack as that distributor. You Obviously, Stephen Rafis is there as a distributor as well. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, in terms of other ones that I didn't expect, I did not expect uh, the Redwoods or Chrome to keep four short stick defensemen. That kind of surprised me. And then the biggest surprise to me was Andy Copeland keeping both both backup goalies on that 25-man roster in Charlie Cipriano and Matt DeLuca. You figure you bring in Dylan Ward, arguably the best goalie in the world, at least week to week. You should be set with two. Copeland decides to go with uh, three, so I was probably most surprised by that. But probably the most notable thing here was the unavailable to travel list, kind of how that was represented in this roster release. Certain guys that we know are on that list, like Trey LeClaire and Ryan Smith and Tanner Cook, they were included as a part of that roster release, adding to the active 25. The Waterdogs actually noted that Ethan Walker had a visa exception. So 25 plus these guys also included. So we hope that we can see them very soon, unfortunately, at the expense of someone else's roster spot. But that is probably how it's going to work here going forward but what is interesting certain guys that are listed a handful are not curtis dixon challenge rogers jesse king brian cole and number one overall pick jeff t they're all left off those rosters so austin what do you make of that and what does this tell us about the availability of some of these names going forward this season
4: it's it's really tough to see um you don't try and read too much into it but obviously as a canadian it's Those guys aren't just names they are not, you know, all due respect to guys that are, you know, sort of on the bubble players on their roster. Those guys are, you know, Curtis Dixon finished with 17 points last season. Challen Rogers was going to come in and be a big piece for the chaos. Jeff Teat, is the number one overall pick. He was going to be the point guy, you know, the quarterback of the Atlas. So these aren't just, you know, guys that are going to stand on the sideline and, you know, maybe, maybe play. These were guys that were going to be big contributors, leaving them off the roster I don't know if you read into it too much yet because they're exempt. They don't have to be claimed on the roster. So grain of salt there. But when you look at it, I mean, (laughs) I don't know that Challen Rogers makes it. I don't know. Jesse King or Brian Cole makes it because they have work commitments. And that's why they're on the list to begin with. Jeff Teat, I don't know that he has a work commitment. It might just be a visa issue and he's just finishing up school. I know he just graduated this week from Cornell. Um, so it might just be some of that, but it's those different scenarios, you know, it's just sort of a play it by ear. It might be these, we don't see these guys for the entire season. And it might be that we don't see these guys for, you know, a couple of weeks. I hope it's the, it's the latter, but it might be the former in some of these cases.
1: Let's hope that is the latter. We do not want to go all summer without seeing these guys. But another question that did get answered uh, here early in the week, uh, Michael Sowers, Jared Connors, the likes of those guys uh, that played this past weekend in the Final Four, they are all at training camp, so expect to see them here in Week 1, kind of a question. We didn't know if they'd be there for Week 1. We didn't know if they'd be coming in, in Week 2. It does look like they'll be available here Week 1, so very excited about that. Hopefully the league, though, can uh, get everything ironed out there with these guys in terms of that unavailable to travel. So that we can see them at some point this season, hopefully soon, but something that we will watch as we move along this summer. But uh, training camp is over. We have our team Rogers, in week one get started tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern on Peacock with the Redwoods. And the Cannons, the Cannons obviously look a lot different being that they are the expansion team, but there is still some familiarity with this group that there are a uh, handful of guys that have played together, whether it be for the Cannons when they're the Boston Cannons or past MLO or college teammates, notably Lyle Thompson and Shane Jackson are teammates with the Georgia Swarm Jackson winning the MVP award there. In that short 2020 NLL season, we saw an awesome highlight there in the scrimmages uh, earlier this week. Lyle feeding Jackson for that sick behind the back goal. So, yes, it's an expansion team, but there is familiarity there. And when you have the best player as well, Noah, in Lyle Thompson, your chances at success instantly improve drastically.
3: Yeah, I mean, they deserve to be bumped a couple spots in the power rankings just for that. Um, I think bringing him to the table, I think they're going to be a team that leans on their veterans on offense and defense Brody on the defensive end. You know, you've got Nick Morocco, you're bringing back in goal. They, I think they're going to do that. Um, and if you can lean on those guys and build some chemistry with those younger guys and help them fit in well, uh, and inject some of that youth, I think give it three weeks in three weeks. If we've played, you know, three or four games and they look like they're still trying to figure it out, I'll get worried. But if you give it three weeks and it looks like each week it's kind of either building on something, then I think this team could be pretty decent by the end of the year. And, and should they make it into playoffs, which in the PLL right now, there's a good chance that they probably will because there's only two teams that won't. They could be a team that's sneaky and you know has one of those first round uh, unexpected wins. So I, I think you got to give it a little bit of time. They're going to be one of those teams that comes into their own um, and that's going to be on the backs of Lyle. Brody, um, a really good defense, and some two-way middies that can sprint.
1: Chris Hogan there, obviously, included uh, with those two-way going To be completely honest, though, wasn't surprised to see Chris Hogan there uh, that no. he made that 25-man roster. I think the consensus was that even if he doesn't play at all the rest of this season, he's going to be on this roster and most likely playing in both games this weekend. Take that however you want to take it, but I think that is kind of just the tough truth. He'll be on a roster here week one. We'll wait, see, and then judge, obviously, according from there. He might, he might wow us, so uh, we have no idea. Hopefully he does. Uh, or obviously, depending on how how you view this whole situation, hopefully does, hopefully doesn't. We'll see how it goes. But the Redwoods also come in with a few new faces, Rob Pinnell and Ryan Lee, notably there on attack, which with the additions of Charles Bertrand and the return of Jules Henningberg, creating another one of those offenses with matchup nightmares all over the place. The question of who to pull when you have two six-foot-four midfielders at the top of the arc, lethal scorers all over the place, a dilemma that each uh, defensive coach will need to figure out this season, Uh, coaches preparing here for the Redwoods being one of them. But noticeably at face-off, both rookies are kept, T.D. Erland and Charlie Leonard. And then in goal, Coach St. Laurent keeps three goalies in 2019 Rookie of the Year. Tim Troutner, Team USA goalie Jack Kelly, who returns from injury, and entry draft selection Brian Phipps. Austin, St. Laurent hasn't named his starter in goal yet, as we know as of right now. But who would you bank on being between the pipes tonight?
4: You know, I was able to actually talk to Coach St. Laurent on, uh, on Thursday um, while we were sort of getting ready for the games to start. And we talked about, you know, his face-off situation and his goal situation. And quite frankly, he he doesn't really – he didn't tip his cap, obviously. I didn't ask him to tip his cap as to who his goaltender is going to be because there's two games. And he basically said that, the, you know, the competition has been so good in camp that it's kind of hard to pinpoint. He might wake up tomorrow morning – or sorry, today. We are recording this on Thursday. Sorry to break the fourth wall here, gentlemen. But, um, um you know, y- you could wake up on Friday morning – for Redwoods and say, hey, you know, Tim Travner is going to be our starter. Hey, Brian Phipps is going to be our starter, Jack Kelly, something like that. He doesn't quite know yet. And I think it's going to be one of those situations where he's probably going to he, I don't I don't want to say probably. I don't want to put words in Nat's mouth, but he might do something where you know it's a Jack Kelly say for the game against the Cannons, and then he turns around and plays one of the other two goalies. And it's sort of a trial by error thing and trying to see which guy sort of carves out the starter role for himself in there. And in terms of face-offs, I mean Saint Laurent also said to me that, you know. TD is obviously his guy. <laughs> he made it very clear, you know, during the vlogs that um, he's the guy that, you know, shags uh, shags all the loose balls and puts them in the bag after practice. And he's sort of, you know, getting the rookie treatment a bit. But he's dominant and he's TD Erlen. He's out there for a reason. But Charlie Leonard, you know, Nat said that he went out and he won the job during the last uh, preseason scrimmage against the Archers, I believe it was. He said he went six of seven uh, going up against, you know, he was sort of a bubble guy going up against Peyton Smith. So you look at that, and I'm really interested to see what Charlie Leonard can do. He also indicated that there might be a chance that, you know, you see him in a situation where maybe he's a short stick d middy or they sort of, they don't use him like a Ryan Tarifenko. I don't want to put that kind of expectation on Charlie Leonard, but, you know, he comes out and he's able to do a bunch of different things. So he's not just standing on the sidelines as a backup faceoff guy for, you know, 75% of the game. It, it, with a 19-man roster, you need to have that flexibility and guys that can do everything. And I think Leonard's a guy that can do that on top of being a very good draw man. So we'll see how he uses them. I'm really interested to see those two battles. Um, Jack Kelly had a really, really emotional moment. I'm sure you guys saw on social media where he hugged Nat and just thanked him for being, sticking with him and being back. And... I think that was awesome and i'm really interested to see how he fits in but <laughs> a long way to answer your question i have no idea what the redwoods are going to do uh come friday night i mean it could be kelly it could be phipps we know it's going to be t yearland at the stripe so we don't have to worry about that but I'd be prepared for all situations when it comes to the attendee. It could just be they run out of the tunnel and whoever the first guy is out there, that's who's in the cage for the night. It's really up in the air.
1: Whoever, whoever gets in the crease first, that's who, yeah, they might just run a
4: foot race from the, from the, uh, from the tunnel right out to the crease and whoever makes it, that's who
1: starts Absolutely. And then in uh, Liam mentioned it, uh, I believe last week Liam mentioned it, and then I've mentioned it a few times, uh, but in 2019 when Jack Kelly wasn't a part of this team, it was Tim Troutner and Gunner Walt. The conversations between Coach St. Laurent and his his assistant coaches were, oh, we might have to play this game by game. Depending on who we play, we might go with Gunner, we might go with uh, Troutner. Obviously, Troutner ended up running with the job, as we know, one rookie of the year that year. He had the job last year weird situation here. It kind of brings it's that not, all back because you have three guys yeah. not just two technically that could have this job as a starter he
4: basically had said to me that um he sort of went in like say he said training camp day one he was like oh tommy kelly tommy kelly jesus too many kelly's in this league jack kelly was very good and then the next practice because they were doing two days they'd say oh brian phipps or troutner was out here showing out so it's a really razor thin race and that's why they had to keep all three guys because it's just too hard to you know let a guy go and i know. I don't want to talk too much on the conversation with that because I know I'm taking up a lot of time here. But he also said, sort of, the whole week was tough going through cuts and having to deal with, you know, some some guys that might be the last kick of the can they have. They might retire. This might be their career, and that sort of weighed heavy on the staff doing that. And Jack Kelly's a guy that's worked so hard to be back. Brian Fitz is a veteran, and if these guys are playing at their top, uh, the top of their game, I mean, you don't want to be this to be the move that say a Jack Kelly decides, hey, this is it, or a Brian Fitz decides. Fip, excuse me, decides, hey, this is it. You want to see those two out there and competing. So that's going to be the thing to watch for me. They have the best goalie group in the league, bar none, I think, at this point. With those three names, I mean, two of of them are unbelievable, uh, at least in veterans in this league. I don't want to speak on Timmy Troutner, but he's going to be pushed to his limits here in order to keep his starters role.
1: In terms of guys retiring, we have heard one player has retired. Brian Carolunis of the Water Dogs did retire, I believe, right before training camp uh, on the PLL website. It does say a May, I believe, 27th date. So Brian Carolunis so far falling under that category and probably not set to make that Waterdogs roster decided uh, to retire. But in terms of the goalie position, I was surprised by the Waterdogs keeping three goalies due to Dylan Ward's status. Obviously I can't imagine he'll be coming off the field very much. And you could say the same here about the Redwoods, but as we've been saying, I think you have three legit starters here in Trounder Kelly, and Phipps. So unlike the Waterdogs, you could see all three of these guys probably start a game at some point this season. So this goalie position for the Redwoods will be one to watch uh, this training camp uh or past training camp into this season uh and they come into 2021 after coming up just short here in back-to-back seasons losing in overtime in the 2019 championship and then losing in overtime in the 2020 semi-finals out in utah so saint laurent and co trying to get off to a quick start this weekend favored by a goal and a half mm-hmm. with the over under set at 21 and a half goals gentlemen your predictions for this one know if you want to go first
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the Redwoods are going to come out firing. I think Nat is going to make it a point this season to push the pace more than he has maybe in the past. This team has been about a solid defense and exercising your possessions to get um, good scoring opportunities. But with the way things are going now uh, and the speed of the game you've got on offense, you're going to be putting a short stick on a Jules Henningberg or a Charlie Bertrand. I mean, when you have that going on, you've got to get some shots off. And so I think they're going to be pushing the ball quite a bit. Um, Another thing that could help with that is the fact that they have two very capable uh, faceoff men, which they, you know, they had Greg the first year he was injured. It really just wasn't the same. They had to value those possessions a little more. And then last year they really had to value those possessions this year. I think they can not be careless with those possessions, but they can take some more chances and push that ball up the field and try to get it in the back of the net. And I think that's going to be, difference maker if they do go and win it all this year, uh, is that pace that they push, um, for the cannons, I think you're just going to see probably a first quarter, uh, where you're either shocked at how good well it's going or you're like, that's exactly what I expected. Um, so, you know, it could be one of those things where the PLL, the PLL does to us that all of our expectations gets shattered in the first 15 minutes and we're left sitting there on Twitter going, I guess we should have seen this coming. Maybe, I don't know. Um, That's the that's Lyle Thompson is out
1: there, right? Lyle Thompson is out there on the field. Like he's he's not in green; he's in the other jersey. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, the rest of the guys on the team are not slouches. Like
3: you've got guys that are two league starters. You know, you've got indoor guys, outdoor guys. You've got got Brody Merrill, one of the best long stick midfielders. Even though he's getting older, he's still a hoss. You know. And so I I think it's going to be one of the best games of the weekend, just out of pure adrenaline and pure pace. Because it's the first game of the year, Gillette's going to be buzzing. It's Chris Hogan's return. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna favor that energy. Whoever can channel it and, you know, get on a roll is going to be the guy that comes out on top.
1: Who's your pick in this one? I'm gonna go Reds. awesome
4: Uh, yeah, I'll keep it short and sweet because I think Noah kind of hit it on the head there. But uh, I think a lot of people sort of eyebrows were raised when the Cannons beat the Whips in that last preseason scrimmage, and it was sort of like these guys are legit they're not just an expansion team that's going to roll over for anybody but at the same time uh, jules is probably going to be running out of the box with miles and perk and then you have that attack line the defense is still unbelievable and then the goaltending we just talked about is top notch in the league probably the best group you're going to find so it's hard to pick against the redwoods here and i'm not going to i don't think i think it's going to be close and i think the cannons are going to make it a really interesting game but we'll go with the woods here for week one
1: Reese Eddy, friend of the French. show, will be making his Cannons debut tonight. Very excited for that. We're going to have to try to get Reese back on the show sometime soon as the season gets started. But hopefully, he doesn't watch or listen to this because I also have the Redwoods first game for the right, expansion Reese. team. Not expecting too much. But when you have Lyle Thompson, you never know, as he'll be in action for the first time in the PLL under the lights. Definitely going to be one to remember, so make sure to tune in. Let's move on to our Flash Game of the Week as the Chaos will face the defending champs in a rematch of the 2020 championship game, set for a 5 p.m. Eastern start on NBCSN and on Peacock. And the Snakes, the only team favored by more than a goal and a half this weekend, as they are favored by two and a half goals by DraftKings Sportsbook. Over-under set at 21 and a half in a game where we will see the best two goalies in the league over the past two seasons. Austin, how do you expect this one to unfold? The Snakes coming in without a loss in almost 650 days.
4: I mean, <laughs> I expect them to hit singles and I expect them to dominate on defense. I mean, it's pretty much going to be business as usual for the Whips. The question is, what lessons did the Chaos really learn from last year? And I think they learned a lot from, you know, that second half and, you know, Zed Z went off. So... <laughs> it's hard to pick against the whips here, considering they haven't lost a game in almost two years now. so I mean I, I love my Chouse boys. Shout out to all the Canadians but i gotta I gotta stick with a hot hand here that team that you know just goes out and does what they do
1: and dominate every game. Flash game of the week Noah, who do you got?
3: Uh, I'm gonna go devil's advocate that De- devil's advocate and say chaos uh, win this one in an intense battle where bodies are flying I think yes, they're, gonna yeah. come out,
1: they're gonna come out pretty mean. It's hard to pick against the two time defending champs. So, a pretty easy solution, I think, here for me ride the train until it falls off the tracks. Like I said before, 650 some odd days since their last win. I got the snakes. I like the points. They're favored by two and a half. So, give me the whip snakes in this one. And to follow that game will be the Atlas and the Archers. The Atlas coming in after the offseason retool, the term that Austin coined for it way back in February and early March. But for every move that the Atlas made, Noah, it seems like the Archers matched them frankly, went a step above them with some of the additions that Coach Bates made through the drafts and through this player pool.
3: Yeah, I mean, Atlas is a completely different team this year. I think I read something that Keegs wrote about having, uh, what, 16 of the 22 guys are new this year. So, I mean, the guys that they kept were obviously the best ones. They're your Trevor, your Jack and Cannons, you know, Tucker Durkins, and all of those guys. Um, I think it's going to be a kind of the same situation, like I mentioned earlier, with giving it some time. It's a longer season. They're going to need to develop. I think the Archers bring that right away, ready to go. Like they just kind of, you know, summed up some pieces that they needed some help with, um, and they're going to come out in, in a really good spot. So I see the Archers taking this one, but uh, the Atlas, I, I'm kind of on their side this season. I think they're going to they're going to pull it out, um, and by the end of the season, our power rankings are going to have them at the bottom.
1: We had the Atlas there in our, in our introductory uh, power rankings at the bottom of the list. The Archers are up at number two because you know they definitely made, I think, significant strides this offseason, bringing in key pieces like Connor Fields offensively. The cyborg Graham Hosick was picked early in the entry draft. Jared Connor's taken early in the college draft, just to name a few. Obligatory uh, Latrell Harris bump. He should play a huge role in the defensive midfield, whether he has a shorty or a long pole in his hand. So, a lot of additions to this Archers team. But the faceoff position, Austin, still a question mark with Stephen Kelly returning. He struggled the past two seasons. Rookie Connor Gaffney, who uh, the PLO's Joe Keegan reported this week had impressed at his first training camp, he's also on this roster. How do you expect this faceoff position here to unfold?
4: It'll be very interesting. I think Gaffney is going to be another guy, sort of like uh, maybe not like a Charlie Leonard, because I think he'll push Stephen Kelly to be as good as he needs to be and bones is going to have to be a top form obviously again this year to be that number one guy obviously he was uh you know shared a bit of it with brendan fowler last year so he wasn't the top guy for the archers but it's hard to bet against the archers team and I, I know you asked me about the faceoffs, but i'm just the team in general like faceoffs, the redwoods we talked about have proven that you know you don't need to be a dominant 65 you know 60 team with the stripe to win games It just comes down to firepower and defense and goaltending, and I think the Archers have all of that. The other piece for me is seeing how that tandem holds up of uh, Drew Adams and um, Adam Gittleman, so we'll see how that goes, but the offense is dominant. The defense is dominant. Uh, Graham Hossack is going to be the defender of the year, in my opinion. Like I don't see, unless I I don't want to say unless he gets injured, because it's knock on wood, I don't want it to happen, but that's pretty much the only way he's going to be out of the running for that conversation. Um, Grant Amen's amazing. Tom Schreiber's amazing. Latrell Harris, love him. Made the roster. Have to give Don't him call. a shout out. Um, these guys are studs. I think the only tougher draw that the Atlas could have drawn in this game would have been the Whip Snakes, And that's all due respect to the Redwoods, but I think just the top to bottom talent that they added this offseason is unbelievable to me and i could be wrong the redwoods can come out and beat the archers it's not a big deal i'm not It's not the hill i'm going to die on that the archers are better than the redwoods so you know i just think there's a a clear top three teams in this league and i think we're going to all get to see them play and that's going to be really exciting and the archers they're they're going to get a game to sort of prove how dominant their team is against a team that is coming off that retool so we'll see what happens with them
1: The Archers in the retooled Atlas, 745 on Peacock. The Archers favored by a goal and a half and the over-under set fairly high, 25 and a half. It took until game 14 in the group play last summer before we got a game go over 26 goals. And then just one additional game, the Chaos and Chrome playoff game, ran up to 33. So even though I love goals, give me the under. And then the Archers by a goal and a half just seems like free money with this new look Atlas team coming in. Don't really know what to expect from them. So give me the Archers by a few goals. let Let's transition over to Sunday where the Cannons and Waterdogs will kick us off. The Waterdogs coming in off a very improved offseason, bringing in the likes of Dylan Ward in goal, Eli Gobrecht, Liam Burns, uh, and Ben Randall on defense, and then a nucleus of offensive weapons in Ryan Brown, Michael Sowers, Michael Krause coming over, uh, obviously from the MLL, Mikey Schlosser, and bringing in Ryan Conrad for the first time as he did not play last summer. Noah, how improved do you expect this Waterdogs team to be, especially offensively and in transition, which is what Copeland tried to build this team around ahead of year one it seems like he's done an even better job here gaining more talent ahead of year two
3: exactly yeah I mean I'm high on the water dogs uh it seemed like after the entry draft and, and even up to the college draft people were raving about the additions you've got Ryan Brown being traded for you've got an Ethan Walker that's added you know you've got essentially a, a new look offense with Michael Sowers coming in to anchor it um, I think they're going to be very good. I think you've got some pieces on defense that you're like, I think that's better as well. You know, you're, you're shoring up those spots. So I see them being a really solid kind of middle-of-the-pack team this year. Um, they'll probably sneak in a couple wins. They may have a bad loss here and there, but they're definitely going to be a team that can hold their weight and can uh, make some moves.
1: I have the Waters coming into this season as a top three team. I might have ranked them the highest in terms of our – uh, group power rankings, obviously, they all got pushed together and uh, condensed together. I had them up at three. So uh, I see this offense, obviously, as you said, should be much improved. Sowers and Brown likely to pair there with Kieran McCardo on attack. He is my way under the radar MVP pick for this summer. And then the defense above Dylan Ward who is regarded by some as the best goalie in the world, much improved, and then expect Ryland Reese also to make a huge impact this summer in his second season in the PLL. Austin, Water Dogs and Cannons. The Cannons coming in on short rest, the first team to do it this summer. Who do you got?
4: Oh, I don't want to pick twice against the Cannons, but I mean, I think that's a really tough turnaround for them considering how many strides Andy Copeland has made the water Dogs sort of take with the offseason moves it's two words for me it's dylan ward he is the difference maker in this game and we've seen it on the national stage we've seen it in the mll we've seen it in the nll the guy just wins and he is dominant in the cage and he is going to do it again in the pll and i keep saying canadians should be nominated for awards but jesus if he's not up for the goalie of the year award i will be shocked he's going to challenge the likes of blaze and because he's that good. And I think he's going to prove it, the the water dogs, I'll, I'll keep it short again. Cause I don't want, want to run us too far over here, but I've, I feel like I've talked to, I don't like half the water dogs roster over the last couple of days, just doing a story for, uh, for the PLL quick plug there. Um, okay. but, uh, <laughs> swipe up. Um, you know, I, I really like their team and I like where they're going. So I'm sorry to the cannons and I promise I love you. And I really like the team that you've got, but it's such a tough task to, you know, Again, I think the Redwoods are a top three team in the league, and then I think the Waterdogs are going to be one of those sleeper teams that might challenge for one of those top spots as well. So hopefully they prove me wrong, but um, I'm siding with the Waterdogs for now. Waterdogs, yes, yeah, sorry. I had a little bit of a mind fart there.
1: The Waterdogs come into this one favored by a goal and a half. I'd imagine their first game being the favorite In their short year now as a team, Uh, when DraftKings dropped their first future odds for the 2021 season, the War Dogs opened at nine to one odds. They then fell to 11 to one and they are now up to seven to one. So the odds changing as the money goes in. And I love that pick War Dogs to win the championship here at plus 700, especially with all the moves Coach Copeland made this offseason that we just talked about. I see this as one of the most dangerous teams in the league. And the War Dogs by a goal and a half will be my play for this weekend. Finally, let's move on to this last game of opening weekend. The Redwoods will go up against Chrome with Coach Sudan's team coming into this one without attackman Randy Stotts, who was placed on the injury list after training camp. Unfortunately believed to be serious. And uh, as our own Dan Arestia tweeted out earlier in the week, terrible news, terrible, terrible news for a guy that we were really uh, excited to see play this summer. Chrome will already be without Jesse King, who's recently inked a two-year agreement with the NLL's Georgia Swarm, who will begin the year on the league's unavailable to travel list. So two early hits here to this Chrome offense, which – was one of the best offenses in 2020, granted. Uh, but Sudan does add some more pieces there in Colin Heacock, Jackson Morrill, and Justin Anderson as well. So, Austin, lacking Stotts and Kinger, how does this offense match up with the Redwoods defense?
4: I have to do a quick correction. I'm sorry, Ryan, the 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 OCD NLL fan in me. It's uh, He signed with the Calgary Roughnecks. The Georgia Strong. Really I got it wrong, then. No, you're good, man. I just I, It's just the OCD. It's not you. It's just, um, you know, Randy Stotts, you hope for the best for him. Um when you hear season ending, you obviously, your mind goes to ACL, your mind goes to Achilles, your mind goes to MCL in some cases, you know, those are the real scary situations. And I hope Randy's okay. And he gets back from this because I I think he's one of the guys that could have been, you know, like a Zed Williams for last year. I think he could have been a guy that was such an underrated piece that became at the start of the season, that became the guy that you go to, to score. I think he could have been an MVP conversation just because of that. So it it sucks honestly it's it's terrible for Randy especially I believe he's already torn his ACL once I hope it's not the same knee and I hope it's not the other knee if it is the ACL I'm sorry my dog's decided to play beside me while we're doing this so he uh, he wants to be a star on GLE um, but you know uh, the chrome will be okay uh, Randy's a great piece to have, but this team's nucleus proved that they could win without a Randy Stott. So I think they'll be all right. It's just finding sort of the winning formula and, you know, gelling without him uh, going into the season. They'll figure it out at some point. We'll just see when it is.
1: The Redwoods are the second team to play the doubleheader weekend here. So we'll get an idea from them and the cannons on who we should expect, or I, sh- I should say how we should expect teams to prepare and compete in those busy weekends. Noah, last game of the weekend, Redwoods and Chrome. Who wins it and who do you expect to see in between the pipes there uh, for the Redwoods and for the Chrome?
3: Yeah, I think the, I think the Redwoods pull it out. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the guys that believes that the two-day turnaround isn't as hard – on you as you know we maybe initially thought i've never played in the pll but i've played quite a few men's league games back to back and uh you know we can do it these guys are in much better shape than we are so uh i think the redwoods pull this one out with i i'm gonna go with tim troutner and goal only because i remember whenever tim won the job uh that first year the big You know, pushing point for Nat was the fact that he got the ball out in transition really quickly, and that's what I think they're going to be trying to do. So I think they're going to start the season with Tim and see how it goes. Um, He's not going to have a whole lot of room, you know, to to not do well. So I think he'll come out hot, and uh, I think he'll he'll get the nod that second game, uh, at least. And then for Chrome, oh gosh, I mean, Galloway, I think is going to get the benefit of the doubt. Um, he's been there a while. He's the vet, you know, he's the, he's the leader of that defense vocally, more importantly. Um, and so I think unless everything just goes to, I don't know if you want to cuss on this or not, but if everything just goes to shit. Um, you know, they're going to have, uh, Galloway in there and then you got Scanone just in case, which is a really nice insurance policy. I think, um, we're definitely, I think going to see him all throughout the season just because it's a longer season, hot summer and, um, you know, Galloway's getting up there. I love him. He's my Jacksonville guy, but he's getting up there.
1: Sean Scanoni, the reigning two-time uh, MLL Goalie of the Year. So expecting that we will probably see him at some point this season. Uh, Austin, same question for you. Who wins, but who's the third attackman alongside Jordan Wolf and Justin Gutterdane?
4: I think the easy question is Matt Gaudette. I mean, he's proven that he'd be able to, you know, finish the ball when it comes to playing alongside those two playmakers. You don't really have to do a whole lot or put a dynamic talent next to the guys like Gunarding and Wolf, not saying that Matt Godet isn't a dynamic talent. He's a you know a world class goal scorer. But you just need a guy that can do the job and put the ball in the net and that's exactly what he does. So I think he's a great compliment piece. And I think that's where, you know, Tim Sudan goes to start is sort of with the familiar fit when Randy's out. Or if Randy's out, I should say.
1: The Chrome come in getting a goal and a half with this one with the over-under set at 24 and a half, like I tried to allude to before with the Archers and Atlas. Ride the unders as long as you can, especially if they're up there like this one. Anything above 24 goals looks like a pretty Uh, safe play and then uh, I got Chrome in an upset technically my first upset pick of the weekend Uh, but very exciting stuff ahead of week one of the PLL season which again begins tonight on Peacock at 7pm Eastern lads before I let you both go let's run through some quick preseason predictions Uh, we'll go back and forth and I'll offer mine we'll do this real quick Uh, we'll start with MVP and Rookie of the Year Uh, and we'll we'll go all three of us here Noah first who's your 2021 preseason MVP and Rookie of the Year
3: Yeah, uh, preseason MVP, I'm going to say Rob Pinnell comes back and makes a huge impact for the Redwoods and helps them win their first championship. And I think if that happens and the the Redwoods win, Pinnell's a big part of it, uh, that wins him the trophy. And then for rookie of the year, uh, the stuff we've been seeing out of Mac O'Keefe looks awesome. So I'm going to go with Mac O'Keefe. I think he's a pretty surefire bet.
4: Awesome. Uh, I'm going to go with the very basic one here and uh, stick with Lyle Thompson for MVP, I think. He's the guy that, you know, makes everything go for uh, the cannon. So he's an easy one. And then I think uh, I'm going to go with Michael Sowers. Uh, I will hold that because I'm not sure what the situation with Jeff Teed is and whether he comes back. Then I got to roll with my Canadian, obviously. But Michael Sowers, again, he's going to be that quarterback for the dogs. So I'm going to go with him. And uh, hopefully, hopefully it's a good season.
1: I said it before. I've said it many times. And I will say it again. Kieran McCordle. With all the new weapons around him on this Water Dogs offense, That's expect a big year from him. Uh, and then, in terms of rookie of the year, uh, I had Jared Connors as my draft prospect to make the biggest impact in the PLO as a rookie. But as you said, uh, Noah. On this chaos offense, I wouldn't be surprised if Mac O'Keefe is up there with the league leaders in goals and two-point goals. So I have Mac O'Keefe as my preseason rookie of the year as well. Let's move on. Uh, For time's sake, we're going to merge together the attackman and midfielder of the year as we'll start ripping through these a little faster here. Noah, who do you have as the best player at those two positions, attack and midfield?
3: Yeah. I think uh, I'm going to take Lyle as the attackman of the year and only just barely second in MVP after Rob. Um, that one's pretty obvious. I think he's going to be in the top tier. So attackman Lyle uh, for midfielder. I mean, man, that's so, it's just tough because there are so many good midfielders in this league. I mean, you can go with the easy, easy Tom Schreiber answer, and I may end up doing that. Um, but I think that one's a toss up. I'll say Tom Schreiber for now, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of five or six guys.
1: Austin, defensive player of the year, LSM of the year, and short stick defensive midfielder of the year here in 2021.
4: Oh, real quick, I wanted to say keep an eye on Zach Courier for midfielder of the year with a full season now, that he doesn't have that injury. Um, LSM of the year, oh, God, uh, Michael Earhart. I think that's an easy one. Defender of the year, we'll go with Graham Hossick and short stick. Oh, that's a tough one. I'll just say Latrell Harris because, you know, that's my boy. Um, if, it's not, if it's not Latrell, then we'll go with, oh, goodness,
1: uh, Dominic Alexander. Blaze Reardon has won the past two goal, uh, past two PLL Goalie of the Year awards. Austin, awesome. does he win it again here this year?
4: Oh, I'd like him to, but uh, my guy Dylan Ward is uh, now getting his shot, so we're going to go with Dylan Ward. I'm big on the water dogs when it comes to the awards, it looks like. I'm just bigging up all the dogs.
1: Max Adler and T.D. Erlen are the two notable uh, names entering the league at the faceoff position, likely to challenge the likes of Nardella, Baptiste and Farrell for the top spot amongst this group. Noah, who do you think takes this award home by the end of this year?
3: Yeah, I think it's still probably going to be one of those older guys just because they have the experience against these uh, PLO pros. So uh, you could probably toss it up between Trevor and uh, Nardella. I'll probably go with Nardella just because he hasn't given me any reason to think he's going to be any less of a dominant force this year. So Nardella wins it again, and then we'll see what happens next year after that.
1: Last but not least, Coach of the Year and then your league champion, Austin.
4: Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the basic one again and just say the whips. I, I hope I'm wrong. Cause I want to see, you know, another team hoist it, but if it's the whips, I'm not going to be upset. And then, oh boy, I, I like all the coaches. So it's sort of hard, but, um, I mean, stags is the easy one again, but let's go with Andy towers. I mean, AT is just an absolute lightning rod. So we're going to go with him.
1: Noah. I'm
3: going Copeland. I think he's going to bring these water dogs to that next level.
1: I have. All right. We're going to go archers as my PLL champion, I currently have uh, two plays. I have the Archers and the War Dogs. Obviously said I like the War Dogs play there. I like those two teams as my two front runners. I'm going to uh, side with Noah here Andy Copeland as my coach of the year. So Austin, Noah, I want to thank you guys both for joining me again today as we look ahead to week one in the PLL, live on Peacock and NBCSN. You can check out the league's website for more information on game times and tickets. But that is going to do it for today's show here of Goal Line Extended. I want to thank you all for watching and or listening. If you are not already, make sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube as well as on whatever podcast platform that you use. Follow along on Instagram and Twitter at GL Extended. All the links that you will need will be in the description of the video or podcast that you're viewing or listening to right now. You can also head on over to lacrosseflash.com. All eight of our PLL season previews are posted and available to read at your convenience. And the Maple Meter also returns as our Canadian Flash staff offers their guide to the PLL and our Week 1 Flash power rankings are also available. Make sure to check those out, and then on Twitter, if you haven't already, make sure to check out Lax Locks, where Pat Gregoire offers his best bets for each weekend of the 2021 season. Make sure to follow Greggy at P. Greggy. I'll also be tweeting out my top picks of the weekend through boss's bets, something I'm introducing for this summer. Follow at Ryan Horseplus underscore for my picks each weekend. And GLE will be back next. Friday. So one week from now, we're going to go to one show per week every Friday afternoon to preview the weekend. And then we'll have a new Flash recap show live on Tuesday to recap this weekend's games. We'll also be doing our first pregame show on Twitter Spaces ahead of tonight's game. So keep your eyes and ears out. For that, make sure you are following uh, at Lacrosse Flash on Instagram and Twitter so that you don't miss either. But PLL Week 1 starts tonight from Gillette Stadium. Go enjoy the weekend, and we'll be back next weekend to recap it all. Cheers.
0: Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at GL Extended and subscribe to the show on any of your favorite podcast outlets. You can find Lacrosse Flash on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and online at lacrosseflash.com.